It's in you. You possess the power. Everyone's true goal in life is to know themselves. Just go hard. Guruji. I need some motivation. Motivation. Every day I try a little harder, but my dedication. Dedication. Keep my head way, way above the water. Trying myself when I yell at the wall. Begging to run, but I needed to crawl. I see the finish line up ahead. Trying to get traction from all of this tread. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast that helps you be the leader. I'm Jeremiah Sullivan, and I'm your host. Listen, if this is your first time listening, we talk about strategies and tactics to help you succeed and win. We talk about high performance. We talk about leadership. We talk about personal development, everything from mindset to routines and rituals, things that are going to help you succeed in your profession so that not just you can win, but your team can win alongside you. I have a special episode today, and let's talk about what's ahead. I have a very, very incredible guest, somebody who I I crossed paths with and felt an instant connection with. I met her while she was traveling and she still is traveling. But when I met her, I, you know, I felt honesty. I felt integrity. I felt charisma. And I told myself, you know, I said, man, this is somebody that I want in my circle. Okay. So today's guest is the CEO of Chet Holmes International, which is, it's a company that's assisted over 200,000 businesses to grow over the last 25 years. She's the, she's the daughter of the renowned sales expert, Chet Holmes. If you guys aren't familiar, he did work some, some business with Tony Robbins. And she inherited the business at 24 years old after her father unexpectedly passed away. And she's an expert in sales, leadership, and high performance. One of the, one of the things I find fascinating about her is that she, she's been nomadic for years. Very interesting, fun fact that just adds to her story. But above all, um, this person, she feels like hope. You know, it's, it's, it's like there's future. It's like the future is bright when you speak to her. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited to announce and bring in Miss Amanda Holmes. Living up to that introduction. Wow. How poetically beautiful. I'm so touched. I meant every word. And, you know, I try to uh, look into people and, you know, I meant every single word that I said. And I, uh, it's just, it's an honor to have you on. I'm excited for the value that you're going to bring the audience. Let's dive in. I have a ton of stuff that I want to talk to you about today. Uh, You know, I, I mentioned it I want to talk about goal setting and achievement. I want to talk about personal development. I want to talk about leadership. But before we get into those things, let's let's talk briefly about first impressions, okay? <laughs> if you're up for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know I know my first impression with you is unique, but when I when I first met you, you know, we were at a a meetup, a workshop essentially, and you know, you had this glowing energy about you. Why do you think that is? Have you always had that energy? Is that something that people point out to you? I do get that feedback from time to time. Um, I've done, someone articulated it so wonderfully the other day, Trent, I forget what his last name is. He's got a wonderful following online, but he said, I've done the dark work so that I can shine my light. Mm, Trent Shelton. Yes. Mm. I resonated with him so wonderfully. I didn't think I would. And uh, he's a little bit rough around the edge (laughs) from what I'm used to. But uh, yeah, yeah, I just loved that. And I felt like that really resonated with me. I've done a lot of 
hard work on myself to better understand myself, to look at the parts that majority of people don't want to look at or the truth within us that's considered ugly or not appropriate or, you know, these expectations of what we should be and how to uphold a image of ourselves uh, for the outside world. I've really broken down a lot of those and worked very hard on that. So um, I think that has part to do it. I think that is, that's, that's absolutely correct, you know, and uh, we're going to dive into the personal development side. I think that everybody, you know, everybody wants to be more influential, have more charisma. I think, I think that's subconsciously something that everybody desires and uh, we'll, we will pull out some strategies and tactics for that. Uh, But is there anything on, on first impressions? What was your first impression of me? Would you mind sharing that with the audience? (laughs) Yeah, I can. Well, the, you mean like the very first moment? Yeah, so we met on we met essentially on September September eleventh, right? So you, yeah, the very first moment, the whole, whatever you want to share, just please share it with everybody, and then we'll dive into your story and and provide some value, but some humor first. Okay, that's funny. Um, yes, so September eleventh. It's interesting that that date is reminded for you, right? Because it has a completely different. It has a strong context. It also has a strong context for me. So I study under an Indian saint, and my Padam Padam gurus honoring day is September 11th. So I was up and I was making food for everybody because I like to give on those days and share my love. And here I am like trying to be all positive and doing my chanting and singing while cooking at like, I don't know, some ungodly hour because we were going to start, you know, five or six or something. And then you walk by and you are just in some very short shorts. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm supposed to see this right now. I felt very uncomfortable. Uh, I'm a little bit more modest in my life. And uh, I'm even blushing just saying the story. That's so funny. And uh, yeah. And and I, and uh, you were quiet and you went into, you went into the garage and it was just this strange (laughs) first experience. And then do you want to share like what yours was and then how we reconvened because I thought the way that we came together at the end and shared our perspectives was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. So I met Amanda at a workshop and we were both uh, staying at the same place. It was early, like she said, and I came out and I was going to go do my nine 11 uh, workout. And so I came out in Ranger panties and Amanda has never been exposed to Ranger panties before. (laughs) She just thought that I was in my underwear and I was shirtless. I grabbed my, my body armor and then I went out uh, for a run and I came back and I was thinking, oh man, you know, I, I was just in the zone when I grabbed my, my equipment and took off. And I was thinking, man, I probably came off like an asshole. I didn't even introduce myself to this woman. And I just grabbed my stuff and I left and here she was thinking, oh my gosh, this guy's in his underwear. I don't know what to say. <laughs> and so, and we both still, you know, we both hadn't spoken a word to each other. I did my thing. She did hers. And then later on, we talked about first impressions and realized that um, we both were a little bit embarrassed for ourselves. It, it was hilarious. No. So you first came to me and you're like, I just wanted to apologize because I was so focused that I feel like I didn't come and say hello. And, you know, you probably think that I'm, you know, like you said, an a-hole and, yep. and I yep. laughed and I paused and I thought, this is a moment where I could speak the truth or I could just smile and nod. What am I going to do? And then I decided to speak the truth. And I said, well, <laughs> Actually, that's not what I was thinking at all. I was actually wondering, oh my God, was I supposed to see you in your underwear? <laughs> what just happened? So that was a pretty, pretty funny second half of a first impression that really showed me that, you know, that 
um, because you, you did look like you were very focused and you looked like, I wouldn't say angry, but you were, you were just like, there was an intensity to your focus. Right. And, uh, and then to come back and be so articulated about expressing what you were feeling. I did not expect that from the juxtaposition of you being looking pretty, uh, intense and hard, you know, and then the more that I got to know you over those few days, the more I saw just uh, how how beautiful you express yourself in a way that's so kind and caring, which I had not expected from the the, the, the first barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> barbarian. Well, I appreciate. I really do appreciate those words. And um, the, so let but let's not take away from what we're here for. Let's bring the audience in. Let's let's talk about your story a little bit. That but yeah, a little bit of humor to kick some things off. So that was good. But yeah, the contrast here, everybody. You know, Amanda, uh, very very um, you know conservative in nature. Then here Jeremiah is coming out kind of like a barbarian, and we cross paths and connected. Right? So, so so funny little story. But you know, share Amanda real quick. Could you would you mind sharing a thirty thousand foot overview of of who you are and and anything that I missed in your introduction? I mean, you're an amazing person, but talk about the scope of your work uh, that you do, please. So my father wrote the Ultimate Sales Machine, which is in the top ten most recommended marketing and sales books of all time at this point. Which I'm so sincerely grateful for all of the people that have read it. It's in thirteen different languages. It's all around the world. And uh, when my father passed, I really wasn't a part of the business, and I had to become a student just like everyone else that has read my father's material. And I'd never read his book prior to him passing, so I sat down with the book and read it. I watched his videos over and over and over again, and and the gift that I got from that was he taught marketing and sales. He taught the foundational principles for how to market and sell your company more effectively so you can double the size of your company in the next 12 months. That's our slogan. We have 12 core competencies for doubling the size of your company in the next 12 months. So I was grateful enough to have that as a framework to then go on. And I doubled our business multiple years in a row. And we've just carried on for the last nine years. I've been CEO for the last seven. And it's been a lovely ride. I mean, 60% of second generation businesses uh, don't succeed. They, mm. they fail. So I'm grateful to be a part of that. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, what Amanda knows, and she's an expert in is winning. Okay. That's what that comes down to. She said, double your business, but that translates to anything that you're doing, anything that you want to accomplish in life. It comes down to your ability to tactically move through the milestones that you have set and have a process for it. So you're going to want to pay attention and listen, even if you maybe don't have a company, but if you guys do, if you do have one, definitely, this is definitely one where you're going to want to take some notes, but at 24 years old, Amanda, you know, you were, you were 24, right. When you essentially inherited the company, talk about that experience. Oh my God. What a nightmare. Um, <laughs> a couple hundred staff all double, if not triple my age, because it, it's a consulting firm, right? So majority of them have run several businesses and now they're teaching other businesses how to grow. And our clientele is mostly in the fifties and sixties. And, and here I am, I was a singer songwriter prior to that. I had released my fourth record. I was, I had just, just out of college um, with a music degree. So <laughs> quite an intimidating talk about really looking at the internal dialogue that you have, you know, mm. I'm a singer songwriter. There's no way I can do this. I'm 24. There's no way I can do this. You know, what is going on here? I miss my father. I just wish he were here. I wish he had prepared me for this. There was no succession plan. There was, I, I spent, we'd pull all nighters with my father in the hospital 
he never spent a night alone. So for a year and a half, it was between me, my brother and my mother. And uh, so pulling all nighters two to three times a week with him, never once did he sit me down and say, hey, these are the different companies I have. Here's who runs them. This is the goal that I have for the company, right? None of that. So it, it's, it was quite a shock. Do you think that's because he trusted you? No, there was just no way in hell that I was going to step in as CEO. Oh, I there see. Was, there was no plan for that, right? There were 12 heads of every company, and then they all reported to a CEO who reported to my father. I see. So, um, yeah, there was just, it was not in the books for me to be a part of it at all. So at first I got this honorary, okay, we'll put you as chairman. You can be the chairwoman, right? So it was just a, she's the living heir. So might as well give her something. And then the more I started listening and the more I started tuning into meetings and realizing that we were in a really tough spot with our marketing, our marketing medium was drying up. We were on radio was majority where we got our leads and they led to our call center and it just wasn't converting like it used to. Uh, so with more questions and more listening, I started asking more and more questions and they just kept saying, yeah, you're asking the right questions. Keep asking. And until eventually I built up the courage after two years of trying to fill in different C-suites, I finally stepped in and did a lot of innovation, a lot of bringing, I brought our whole business online e-commerce. We'd never done that before. I automated webinars. I created my tripwires. I, I did a lot of creating an automated system to create repeatable success. Yeah, a true a true leader. You and warrior. You adapted and you overcame. You know, but it, that short once over doesn't really give. I mean, the route to that success was was difficult, right? Like when 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 this happened. I mean, talk about the overwhelm. I mean, what was the pressure like? Could you can you describe that? Yeah, I'm. Um, I I had a lot of loss in my life. I had a best friend that died. I had a very close friend that committed suicide. I so I had and three of my grandparents died the year before my father died. So I had a lot of death in my life, but losing my father completely flipped me upside down. Mm. I am, um, it was a lot of battle in the hospital. So a lot of ugly visuals that just haunted me. I couldn't, I couldn't sleep without nightmares. So I would drive around the LA streets and fall asleep on the side of the road because I knew that my legs would fall asleep after two hours. So I wouldn't be able to sleep deep enough to have a nightmare. So I'd just mm. be driving around aimlessly in my car. Um, I couldn't eat. I was so, my stomach was in so many knots that um, actually lost a bunch of weight. Everybody said, Hey, you're looking really good. I'm like, ha, grief does, does wonderful things for your physique. Let me tell you. <laughs> um yeah, I had panic attacks perpetually. It was it was a living nightmare. And the craziest things would happen. You know, they'd come to me and they'd be like, yes, Amanda, so merchant services has shut down our ability to pay payroll. So none of your hundreds of staff will be able to get paid today. What are you going to do? And I'm like, mm. uh, what is a merchant services? I don't even know what that is, right? So the decisions were big and they were terrifying. And um, I did a lot of work. So thank God for my, uh, for my teacher, uh, my spiritual teacher, she, them and, and the nonprofit divine bliss international really gave me a safe haven and a place to work through and heal a lot of that trauma and freak out and overwhelm and limiting beliefs so that I could actually get done the work that needed to get done. 
Yeah. So it's safe to say you're essentially running at first, but you've still felt compelled to come back in and, and, and do what you needed to do. Is that, is that kind of describe it correctly? Were you typically like, no, 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 I'm not going to take this company. I'm not going to be involved. I want to run away and I'm scared. And, but yeah. something was calling you back to, to, to figure it out. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And, and my teacher, that's the power of having a mentor, right? Somebody that can see your greatness, even when you don't see it yourself or your potential or a destiny, she'd say, Amanda, it's your destiny. Your father spent a lot of time to build this up and he did a wonderful job. It just needs a little bit of help to get there and you can do it. And I'd look at her and I'm like, gee, you're crazy. I can't do it. <laughs> how did, <laughs> no how did you, how did you come across her? Were you looking for her? And I mean, I, this is what I'm imagining, you know, imagining this young girl, just, just overwhelmed, stressed and, and looking for a way out. And then all of a sudden this mentor kind of comes into her life. How did that happen for you? Oh, uh, the beautiful saying, when a student is ready, the teacher must appear. Mm, very true. And, uh, yeah, I, I actually met her when we were looking for alternatives for my father's cancer. So we went through hundreds of different potential uh, people. And when I met her, it was completely different. Like it just felt like people had their opinions and they promised the earth, moon and stars and couldn't deliver. And she didn't promise a thing. But she said, if you follow me, I can change anything. Mm. And uh, she actually cured me of celiac disease, which is by Western medicine, they said it's incurable, right? Just don't eat wheat. You're allergic to wheat. When you eat wheat, you go to the hospital. So don't eat wheat. She said every disease in the mind is just, or every disease in the body is a dis-ease of our minds. So she helped me tap into the dis-ease that I'd been holding in my stomach and helped me rebuild my stomach lining so I can eat wheat today. That's powerful. That is very, very powerful. You know, there's so much to be said about the power of the connection between mind and, and body, right? Um, Absolutely. So, so what are some of the things that she did? It sounds like she, this mentor that came into your life, you know, and I'm thinking through a listener's lens right now, somebody that's listening that maybe is going through a hard time that doesn't have that spiritual guide in their life, but that's seeking and listening and learning and looking for guidance for the next steps. What, what are some things that she provided to you or helped you with that maybe some other people can learn from on, on personal growth and, and healing? Oh, there's so many. Um, I would say one of the biggest shifts, which I actually wrote in the new edition of the ultimate sales machine was instead of coming, um, let me also put some context to this. So mm -hmm. my father made his big break, basically becoming the embodiment of pigheaded discipline and determination. That focus to get anything done. He was a master at it. I mean, it coursed through every molecule of his body. Um, he was the epitome of pigheaded discipline and determination. And that was his greatest strength while it was also his greatest weakness. So because he was always pushing, always forcing he didn't take the time to take care of himself and his body. And because of that, I lost him at 55. Mm -hmm. And um, so I look at that and I, and one day I had asked uh, Guruji, you know, what, what's the one thing that I could tell people that will help them look at it through a different lens and come out with, let's say a longer life, right? You, you don't work yourself into your grave. And she had given me this beautiful analogy that imagine that you have a tree. And if you go up to the tree, you take an ax and you chop off one of its limbs and you take your apple and you eat it. That's one way to take an apple. Or you can go bring up a stool, climb to the top, lovingly say, thank you tree for providing this fruit. 
pluck it off and eat it. One apple will be eaten in anger and ego and manipulation. And the sweetness from that apple will be stolen. But if we decide to take that same apple in humbleness, in gratitude, in service, that apple will be so much sweeter. So every strategy and tactic that my father gave for doubling sales all work. The question, the minor tweak that I added just to that last chapter is, can you change the intention that you do it in? Can instead of doing it in force and ego and uh, you know anger, can you do it from a place of, I am here to serve with every ounce of my being. And that that really got me when everything was falling apart. Guruji just kept repeating to me that when we give, we receive. So instead of thinking about, holy shit, I have to make a million dollars in the next five months, additional to what we were already making to be able to pay for X, Y, and Z. How do I do this? Instead of it being about me, it took so much work to get to a place of saying, okay, what do my clients need? What can I do to provide them the absolute best value possible so that they make a transformation in their lives and they get the results? And coming from that place of service and honor, I found that the results happened and they happened in miraculous ways because just some kind of guidance was there to to take me on that path because I was doing something, I think, that was beneficial, right? That was my goal, was to be of benefit to all. And at at times, that giving, how can I give better? I doubled our prices at one point because I realized that I wasn't honoring our clientele because they weren't appreciating what they were getting because it was too cheap. So it's not necessarily that honor or giving or service means that you're giving things for free or you're being cheap. It's about doing what's best for them. Yeah, increasing the value, you know, and I can relate to that on so many levels throughout my military career. And I mean, in, in entrepreneurship and now, but I think where I can relate the most is, is I saw a lot of new leaders that were taking over an infantry platoon. Okay. An infantry platoon is about 30 to 40 soldiers. And this person was fresh out of school. Um, they were basically in their first management position inside the army they wanted to succeed and win and they were doing it selfishly for themselves. And those people did not do as well as the leaders that came in. And they're like, you know what, regardless of my, my evaluation, regardless of everywhere that the next assignment that I want to get, I'm here to serve and to serve the best of my ability. Guess what? Those people end up getting the best evaluations and had the best, the best units. So I can relate to that a ton. That's great. I love that. With, with your, so that was the lesson from, um, from your spiritual mentor. What was her name again? How did you refer to her? Oh man, her full title is Sarvalokama, Her Holiness, Sri Sri Sri, One Thousand Eight Guruji Punamji. I don't know if I yeah. remember that full, <laughs> <laughs> but we refer to her as Guruji. So Gu is the dispeller of darkness, Ru is the uplifter of light, and G is a form of respect, like Doctor or Mrs. So Guruji. Oh, so she taught you if you're going through this hard time, if you're going through, um, or maybe not hard time, but one of the shifts that she made was was to give and then you'll receive. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. How has that changed your your life? I mean, how many, I mean, I can imagine, but in your own way. I'll also just shift. So this is interesting. So to give and then you receive leaves an expectations that you should still be receiving after you've given. Ah. If it's in the giving that you've received, mm. you release your expectation and therefore the giving is the gift. 
pay t- close, close attention to that, everybody. Because, <laughs> wow. Because, how cr- how just the tiniest shift, right? Change the whole energy of it. Yeah. Because if you give with an expectation to receive and you don't receive, you're going to get discouraged and your actions are, they're not, they're not authentic. And you actually don't, you actually don't deserve to receive in that, in that situation, right? You only deserve to receive when the intention is pure. Yes. Yeah. Very, very good. Very uh, enlightening and, and, and well put. So, so we've, we've, we, you know, we found this spiritual mentor and we started to make changes inside the, the company that we're in. Talk to me a little bit about the insecurities that you still struggled with throughout, throughout that growth and of that period. Oh man. So I had this fear that people would come to me and say, you've ruined your father's legacy. Mm. You, you've done a terrible job. I can't believe you know, that you would do this. Cause when I first stepped in, I created a, a new marketing um, process where uh, I got on webinars and I would teach our methodology and then sell a product at the end, like one to many. And I look back and I'm like, I was 26 years old teaching 50 year old men how to double sales. I'm like looking around at this going, what was I thinking? Like, where did I get the gumption to do this shit? But um, I was fearful that people would say something about that, right? And then finally, the day came when I got the email that said, Amanda, I am so disappointed. Your father would be so upset with what you've done. You've ruined his company and everything in it. And I looked at the email and I smiled and I actually laughed out loud because I thought, ha, it's finally here. This is great. My worst nightmare came to life. I printed it out and I put it on my wall because I thought it was hysterical. At that point, I doubled our business two years in a row. So I knew that what he was saying was, you know, just his opinion. And it didn't really matter because I knew that I had given it all that I got, but I thought it was hysterical to, to see that. And I, and I wanted to remind me that, you know, your greatest fears can happen and <laughs> it's okay. It actually wasn't, wasn't that bad. Well, so how do you do that? How do you, how do you, how does somebody exist with a fear, but keep moving forward anyway, regardless of like coexist with it. And I, I, I follow the same concept and that's what I try to teach my, my clientele is, you know, it's okay. It's normal to have fears, but you just need to coexist with it. Right. So for you, like, is there, is there a a way that you can do that or some advice that you can give somebody to do both? The way that I got through the fear of my own insecurities was realizing that it wasn't about me. When I made it about me, then my world came crashing down. When I made it about service, Mm. And what was best for the people around me, then I wasn't a part of the equation. It was just a part of getting shit done, right? Mm. How can I serve the people around me? I, I didn't want to step into the face of the company. I thought that that was ridiculous. Um, and, and I really see it now as I'm just a shepherd. I'm here to assist and guide our clients to get great results. So whatever that takes, it's not it's not about me or my ego or like, let me show you what I can do, which at, at times I did. I did have that. I, and I still, every once in a while, have a great challenge. I'm obsessed with challenges. So if you give me a challenge, I go, oh, <laughs> let's do this. But um, I think the general energy is just letting go of it's about me and, and, and being about service. Do you think that the work with your spiritual mentor helped get through those insecurities and kind of push the ego aside? Because that's really what we're talking about. The ego flaring up and saying, this is me, me, me. I'm going to fail, fail, fail. And then you saying, listen, shut up, get in the corner. This is about we, it's not about you. And let's make this happen. So did that, that person help you out with that 
Absolutely. My company wouldn't be here today if it weren't for the work that I did studying under Guruji. Are you, are you comfortable talking about some of that work? I mean, I, you don't have to talk, disclose a lot of it, but I just want somebody to understand how much time you've invested into your own personal development. So much, so much. So not this last year, but the year before last and the year before that, uh, when I had gotten the company to a place that was settled, I only worked one day a week for those two years. My team was running everything and I was uh, five days or six days a week in the nonprofit, um, just assisting people to, well, I was working also on myself on just being the best version of myself. I had a lot of people that kind of attacked and were a bit vicious. And, you know, when people see money, they, they run at it. And uh, so part of me just felt like humanity was, I'd given up on humanity and I spent a lot of time with plants and vegetables <laughs> and living off of the land. Uh, it's a very strange time, right? Because like, I remember I had gone to this wealth management event and a uh, family office event where, you know, every person that, that attends a family office, they have a network of like $40 million to be able to be at a family office event. And they asked me what my definition of wealth was. And mm -hmm. At that time, I was living off the land and, and growing my own vegetables, and I was only eating what I grew in my garden or in the garden. And I looked over and I saw a pile of dirt and I went, dirt is my wealth. And they're like, <clears throat> I'm, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I said, dirt is all I need right now. Dirt mm -hmm. provides me the soil that I need to grow the vegetables that I need to eat. And what? more do I really need at this moment? Those vegetables give me so much love and truth and honesty, and they bloom when I give them love. It's so gratifying. All I really need is dirt. <laughs> it looked at me like I was an insane person. But you meant it. You meant it. I, with every word. Yeah. And so you were on this, it was, was it two years, right? You're on a, basically a farm yeah. is what I, is what I picked up. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, we still increased our sales by 50% that, uh, the last year when I was working one day a week. So it wasn't like the, the growth wasn't happening. I was just, I had everybody in my organization working and I would go and serve. What has that done for you? So working on yourself, I mean, you guys, if you didn't pick up on that, imagine being on a farm for two years. Okay. And, and that's, that's your life. You're living off the land for two years. So you're away from, it's like a deployment. Okay. I, you know, it's, you know, it's slightly different, but it is. I, I was in Iraq for 15 months. She was on a farm for two years away from everything to restore her faith in humanity. Okay. And then she, and then you come back from that, Amanda. And then, you know, what ends up happening? Talk to me about the trajectory for yourself and for business. Um, I imagine that you hit some milestones that you wanted to hit and you're reinvigorated with humanity. So tell me about that. Yes. I have a better belief system at I think it's also just appreciating the people that test you and knowing that that's just for you to learn something rather than feeling the victim of a, of a circumstance, right? So that took many years. I was just finishing up the special thanks in the book and I, was, I thought about thanking all the people that tried to take me down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. No, I, it's I'm good. It's good because I, I have, I have uh, a few mental uh, compartments that I put people into, right? I like to have rival Ridge. Okay. These are people that I'm com competing against. Um, I have, 
I, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to cuss, but I'm going to fuck a mountain. Okay. <laughs> fuck a mountain is the place <laughs> I put people that have slighted me. Okay. I put them over there and uh, we're the adversaries. Okay. People that are peers that I'm competing against. So I think it's important for high performance from a high performance standpoint that you do have the ability to compartmentalize people and you can use that to fuel you while also not carrying any, any animosity towards those people, right? It's it, when people do you wrong, it's like, okay, I'm going to grab that. I'm going to use it for the future to fuel me, but I'm also not going to hate that person as I move forward. Do you see it the same way? Absolutely. When, when someone else causes you to feel angry and then you're holding that anger, you're the one that ends up experiencing the pain and the anguish of that anger. So do you want to give them the satisfaction that you would have to be in pain because of them? Hell no. <laughs> right. Yeah. The worst thing you can do to somebody that's trying to take you down is show them that you've risen above that, uh, that fight. You don't very, have to fight. True. Very true. Let's shift into, um, some goal setting and achievement. So, you know, one of the things that you specialize in is getting results for people yeah. okay, and businesses. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, when it comes to your own results, what's your, what's your pro and, and other people's, what's your process for identifying the goal and then working through it? I mean, I know you follow your father's 12 step procedure, his principles, but I'm curious to get into the mind of yourself. When you take something and you break it down, how do you go about approaching it? You know, this is a little bit of a shift, but I think it's something that would be really powerful for day to day. So we teach specifically six steps to increase your productivity by 500% and people yeah. just love it. Can I go there instead? Like how do you dominate your day? Mm -hmm. Because you're setting goals every single day of what you need to achieve. Is that okay? No, that's good. It's good. So you're saying the focus is on the day. Yeah. 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 Let's go there. So my father originally created this working for billionaire Charlie Munger. Uh, co-chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, maybe you've heard of Warren Buffett. So he realized that a billionaire has the same 24 hours in a day. Why are they making billions? And yet, you know, these others aren't. It's mm -hmm. because they've become masters at their time. Mm -hmm. A majority of people aren't masters at their time, especially if you're a manager. Uh, let's say you're in the office and then all of a sudden someone says, hey, got a minute. And then a got a minute meaning breaks out. So yep. all of the plans that you had, your goals for being proactive have gone away and now your day is becoming reactive. All you're doing is reacting to, I've got social media popping up on my phone every moment. On average, the average person looks at their phone 96 times in a day. Wow. Research shows that if you spend, if you're focused on something and then all of a sudden your focus gets taken away, it takes roughly around 45 minutes for your focus to get back into a place mm -hmm. of more clarity. And during that time, it's the equivalent as if you had only had four hours of sleep. Mm. So we're working at a limited amount of brain capacity because we're perpetually taken in different directions and sidetracked. So how do you become more productive about your day? Everyone that's listening, go ahead and write down these six steps. So step number one, Touch it once. How many times have you reread an email, right? So an email comes up, you read it. Oh, I'm going to answer that later. You put it away. You come back to it, you reread it. The average person wastes a week's worth of vacation rereading information. Absurd. So step number one, if you see it, it's a really long email. You, you write back and you say, hey, this is a really long email. I need some time to process this. Can we talk about this in our next meeting, right? If it's a really long email or something that's intricate, 
take action by putting it into a folder. These are my to-dos that I need to handle when I have the time to handle them, right? So just taking minor actions so that you're not perpetually going in a cycle of rereading the same information. Step number one. Step number two, list your top six. So what are the top six things you need to get done that day? We're not talking about 30, 50, right? We're not getting the gratification of just checking off a stupid list. This is about prioritizing what's most important, right? So writing down your top six is number two. Number three, allocating the amount of time it takes to get those things done. So I'm going to meet with my staff. I need to prepare a presentation to train them on something that's going to take me an hour and a half probably. And then the actual presentation will take me about 45 minutes, right? So just blocking the amount of time it takes for each task. And then step number four is actually allocating it into your schedule. So we're going to do from eight until eight 30. Okay. If you're Jeremiah, it's from five until five 30, you're going to start your day, right? Uh, but chunking it down. So let's say I'm going to go back to eight because the majority of the world starts much later than you. <laughs> so from eight, <laughs> from eight until eight 30, I am uh, preparing a document for my staff from eight 30 to nine 30. I am uh, running through a report of progress report of my staff uh, from 10 until 11. I'm going to put a time allocated in my day to be reactive. So from that 10 to 11 mark, I'm checking emails. If fires come up in the day, that's when I'm handling them. Uh, if clients need my attention, that's when I'm handling them. Uh, that's when I'll go on social media as opposed to just being on it perpetually, right? So you're being proactive about your reactive time. So if someone comes to you and says, hey, got a minute? No, I don't. But I do. I have set aside two times in my day from 10 to 11 and from 2 to 3. So you can reach out to me in those times and I will have time to meet with you, right? So then your day becomes proactively getting the goals done that you are looking to achieve. Yeah. Is You want to say anything about this before I keep going? Well, no, it's huge because I, I do, because um, I work with a wide range of people, of individuals. Some of them have businesses or, or they're just leaders inside of an organization. They fall into somebody else's calendar and they're kind of subject to that. And then I also have the business owner that's done pretty, really, pretty well. And both people... I've noticed gaps in every single one of them with their time management. They don't plan and prepare the days, the weeks. I've seen some very, very successful entrepreneurs to most people's degrees, but what would really bump them up and, and get them to the next level is just spending 45 minutes every single week, sitting down with their calendar, outlining it, blocking it off. And then like you said, creating that white space essentially for the distractions to come in, allow them to come in. And for myself as a company commander, I used to call it chaos time. Okay. I know that this window is going to be chaos. People are going to be coming in and out no matter what. Let me just go ahead and just not plan anything for that. And I'll just react. And uh, if I can get ahead on some stuff, I will, but I'm not going to focus on it. Yeah. I love that. I love that chaos time. That's yeah. Keep, but keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Okay. So uh, then number five is prioritizing. So you'll notice, which is interesting, your expectations of the day. How many times have you written down a to-do list and then didn't get done? By the end of the day, you look at your to-do list and you go, ah, oh, <laughs> most important things I didn't get done. Right. Yep. So this changes that so that at the beginning of your day, so this is recommended like just spend 10 minutes at the beginning of your day, setting it up so that the whole rest of the day you're fulfilling on everything that you wanted to get done. So if I know the heaviest lifting I have to do is actually the fifth and sixth thing on my list, I'm going to prioritize them at the beginning of my day so that I get the heaviest lifting of my brain done at the beginning. 
right? So then I can plan out my day appropriately. If there's extra time that I need because I didn't get it done in the hour that I wanted to get it done, okay, I'm going to leave a second half hour. And if that ends up not working, right? Or if that ends up working great, I fulfilled the thing that I wanted to get done. So by the end of your day, you're feeling so much achievement because you've planned it all out. You know your expectation, you know what you can accomplish, and you're executing on that. It just really takes the pig-headed discipline and determination to actually do it every day. And then the last step is, will it hurt me to throw this away? Mm. 80% of the material that we store, we never refer to again. So are you willing to just let it go? Those are our six steps to time management secrets of billionaires that can increase your productivity by 500% in just 15 minutes a day. Yeah, those are wonderful. And you know, when I hear that and I'm looking at the concept, really what you're doing is you're creating focus. You are creating laser focus when it comes to the goal and you're cutting out through a process distractions over and over and over again. Um, so that's very, very powerful. So ladies and gentlemen, rewind if you have to, but get those, those, those steps, those six steps and, um, and start implementing them in your life. Find out where your gaps are. You know, are you easily distracted because you're grabbing emails that are too long and you're responding to them for an hour and, and it's just soaking up your entire day where you're supposed to be working on your priorities. You know, it's very beneficial stuff there. Um, I also want to just add that mastery isn't about doing 4,000 things. It's about doing 12 things 4,000 times. If you want to be a great leader, if you want to achieve the things you want in your life, work on the skill of time management. That will get you so far in life just to work on this one skill. Yeah. Yeah. You, if Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger and Chet Holmes were doing it and uh, <laughs> we're here in the advice, maybe you guys should listen to it, right? We should all should listen to it a little bit. Um, okay. So let's move into, let's move into some leadership uh, discussion. Okay. You know, I, I look at leadership and sales as, as they're hand in hand. They really are. You know, when you are in sales, you're trying to lead somebody to an outcome essentially. And you want to create a win-win for both parties. And that's what leadership is about. It's about creating win-wins and getting to the outcome that the team needs. But with that comes challenges because everybody is a different human being, right? And, and for you specifically, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of your clients are the older generation. And I hear this quite a bit. I hear, you know, I, I have a lot of peers and a lot of uh, business owners that are in my sphere are maybe in their, in their thirties or they're maybe capping, starting to cap 40, but you're talking about people that are in their you know, mid fifties, sixties, and it can be very, very difficult to lead somebody like that. So talk me through a little bit of those challenges and then share a little bit of, of wisdom and insight into how you influence them. Mm. I had an ink article go viral. It was pretty interesting. Uh, um, so a couple years ago when the whole world thought that the millennial generation was just SOL. Like yeah. they just thought that we were never going to amount to anything in our yeah. lives. <laughs> and they're like, well, that's a shit whole generation. Yeah. <laughs> Cast them out. And then I, you know, my story of stepping into this company and they're like, wait, there's one millennial that actually <laughs> did something. Maybe there's hope. And so it went viral and that was really funny. But the point that I made in the article was that, generationally, baby boomers and millennials have the same core values. We value our family. We value making um, a good living. We value making a difference in our communities. We value doing a great job. And it's the thing that's different is actually the language in which we use. And both find a hard time communicating because it's just a language barrier. Um, 
So I found that rather interesting. I, I also have, in my own personal experience, found that there's just a lot of misunderstanding of not even just listening to the other party. If, mm. if we listen and if we can learn something from each other, that's when the best teamwork happens, right? Instead of saying, oh, they're old, they don't know anything. Actually, their gray hair t- taught them quite a lot. I'm sure we could learn from them, right? I didn't step into the company and say, okay, guys, this is how it's going to be. I'm like, no, teach me. Yeah. I want to understand. Yeah, Here are my that, questions. That Please. makes a deposit into the person, right? The, the older generation, it's showing, it's showing respect too. Which, exactly. which if you pour into with respect and, and appreciation, they're probably going to be more likely to listen. Honor them, honor them because they've been around for a long time and they have great wisdom. And then in that honoring, I'm sure they'll then appreciate the fact that you are respectful of them. Right. And they'll say, wow, that's really nice. Yeah. I think we have could you, work here. Have you ever had to go toe to toe with somebody that, you know, was older than you by maybe a couple decades and stand your ground? Yeah, I fired quite a, quite a few <laughs> yeah. of them. Yes, difficult. Difficult. Absolutely. What? What? Um. How? How did you get through that? Like, did was there a? I mean, imagine you didn't want to fire them, right? But what? What compelled yeah. you to have the uncomfortable conversation? And how did? Where did you find your courage in that moment? That's an interesting one. Because there was the firing that was difficult. And then there was also the lawsuits that happened as well afterwards, which was also difficult. So it wasn't like people backed down and said, oh, okay, thanks, Amanda. They said, oh, really? Game on. Let I'm going to take you down. Right. And a lot of people tried to take me down. Um, It didn't work. But (laughs) I think that's and that's this is important because a lot of leaders get put in a position where they have to decide, are they going to fight or are they going to flee? And they have to, they have to really dig down to figure out why they're going to fight if they are, or are they going to run and hide? So, you know, so, was there, was there, what was the inner dialogue like for you? Yeah, there was an important distinction that I got from that, that I learned from Guruji that I thought was fascinating. She said that every person in our lives, we have a karmic balance with. So there's a points and tally system of, you know, this person did a good deed for this person. This person did a shitty deed for this person, right? And there's these checks and balances. And um, when friction happens, it's because there's some unsettled karmic exchange, right? And so my intention going into all of these difficult situations was I want to be respectful of myself and my higher self. I want to be respectful of them, even though I'm so angry at them right now. But my goal is to find a harmony and conclude or balance whatever karmic exchange that is lacking. Mm. Because there were times where I did have to pay heavy sums to people. And that was hard for me to wrap my head around. And part of me wanted to be angry at that and feel that I didn't do anything. Why am I being punished for that? And then it was coming to a realization that it, I am just fulfilling a karmic imbalance. And if I can just accept that, then I come to a place where that karma is complete and I don't have to deal with that friction or relationship anymore. Does that make sense? It's kind of a crazy concept, I think for people. Oh, it makes complete sense. I'm more on the same wave wavelength with that, even with that language, but maybe for somebody that it isn't what I hear 
is that it stopped becoming about me again. The ego gets pushed aside and to get through those issues, to hold your ground, it becomes about the team. It becomes about we and what needs to get done and the solution and not how precious or, or, or how, you know, how it, it becomes about not protecting the ego so much. Like, listen, guy, go shut up and go sit in the corner and let me just go live this fully and do what I need to do courageously and with honor. Right. Yes. And the not letting, so to overcome the emotional baggage around it. Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the, I had a lot of problems with people that had been in the business for over a decade or some that were family, you know, that were at every Christmas. And yet I looked at them and I'm like, what is going on here? Why are, you know, the things that you're doing are inappropriate. And yeah. uh, so, you know, you can't be here anymore. Yeah. So if, if I had just let my emotions take over, I would have been like, this is family. I can't fire this person. But then I look at it and go, nope, the business has to carry on. And this is hindering it. So put my personal relationship aside and do what's best. Yeah. We have people to help businesses to help, you know, you know, thousands of people, if not millions of people to influence and help out in their lives. And we can't, we can't get hung up on this, this thing. So uh, that's very, very powerful. Um, I do want to be respectful of your time, but I have, I have, you know, one more, couple more, maybe two more questions for you real quick. Ah, um, yeah. Bye. Huh? Yeah. <clears throat> What's, what's next for you? Like what, any big projects, what are you working on that you're excited about? The new edition of the ultimate sales machine. It, uh, I finally have gotten approval from Penguin. So that should be coming out in a couple of months. And the last time I did an event, I was on, you know, I was 26. I didn't really know what I was doing. And we ended up getting 30,000 new people into our business that month. Uh, and that was only with 12 affiliates. So this one, I'll probably have like 70 or hundred affiliates and tens of thousands of businesses. So I'm looking forward to that. It's very awesome. And guys, if you're, like I said, if you're not in sales, it's still a great, it's a not still, it's a phenomenal book because like there's a whole chapter on conducting workshops and training meetings, right? Like, like if you're a new leader, you need to read this book because it literally outlines exactly what you need to do for the structure inside of your, your organization. It really does. A phenomenal book. Last question for you. What do you, you know, you've done a lot, you know, for somebody that inherited a, a very large company at a young age, for somebody that has continued to improve upon themselves, who, who went, rogue for several years, right? And are nomadic for even longer, who knows, right? You've done a lot. What, do, what are you the most proud of? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, I come up with that I haven't achieved it yet. Is that okay? That that's how I feel? Elaborate I a little bit. Huh? Elaborate on <laughs> a little bit. What I'm most proud of, I haven't achieved yet. I'm still working on what I want to achieve to be most proud of. Is that okay that I say that I'm not? <laughs> Is that like the antithesis of what you're asking me? <laughs> uh, well, what I'm I'm wondering what the thing if there is a thing or if it's the state. There is one thing. Yeah, I have a goal and I'm working towards it. Now I'm curious. I'm like, what is it? <laughs> we talked about it. The University of Self Realization, creating a place where people can come, hundreds of acres, or people can come and just connect to themselves, get themselves back on track. Um, finding whatever their purpose or passion is, and then going back out into the world and kicking ass and taking names. Yeah. Uh, that when you said, what am I most proud of? The Honestly, the thing that comes up for me is, well, when I get there, 
which I know is probably the antithesis of what is supposed to be, um, you know, self-realization. You're supposed to be in the journey and grateful, but, uh, no, that is, that's a goal of mine. I think that you're proud of yourself for pursuing that purpose. Okay. Fair enough. You know, maybe, and I know you're hungry to achieve it and you will be proud of yourself for achieving it, but, but achieving a world of self, you know, realization is essentially what you're after. Right. But you're in the process of it. And I think that's, that's a, that's a battle worth fighting for. And it's inspiring to watch. And, um, I do remember the conversation and inspired me and, and we're in alignment in a lot of ways on that aspect. You know, we're trying to make better humans, right? That's really what we're trying to do. So, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, very honorable that your that's your life's mission. And I, I'm excited for the day that it manifests and it's real and you can touch it and feel it and experience it. Um, I'm very, very excited for you. So as, as we close out, is there, is there anything else that you'd like to leave the audience with or where can they find you? Where can they find you first? If there's somebody wants to connect with you, because I know you're kind of starting to get on social media a little bit. Um, <laughs> but what's the best way for somebody to connect with you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram the most. Um, Amanda Holmes was taken. So I'm Amandita, my salsa name. Holmes spelt like Sherlock. Mm. So you can find me there. Okay. If you want to, if you're really like cheap on, I can't spend $16 for the ultimate sales machine. You can also get chapter four for free at ultimate sales machine.com. I would highly Great. recommend reading the book. That's good. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Get the, get the book and the audio book. It's, it's yeah. awesome together, you know, do them together, get it all. I'm telling you guys, you can't learn it <laughs> enough. It's a, it's, it's something I wish I would have had started off as a new leader. And I'm constantly in that book today, going through it, highlight and taking notes and stuff. And, um, Definitely, definitely would have used it early on in my career. Yeah, there it is. It blurs out when I try. It's yeah. funny. Well, that's great. So guys, you can follow her on Instagram and yeah. So final comments for the, for the audience, anything that you want to leave them with? Um, I would go back to that concept of intention and then also how can you be the best version of you with everything you do? If you do, just do you regardless of what everyone else thinks or what their opinions are. I am giving everyone the permission to be themselves. Oh, that's powerful. Thank you so much, Amanda. Ladies and gentlemen, incredible, incredible episode today. It's, it's worth re-listening to several times. Take your notes, um, study them, and start implementing them. Put them into action. And until next time, be the leader. I need some motivation. motivation Every day I try a little harder But my dedication, dedication. Keep my head way, way above the water Trying to myself when I yell at the wall Back in the run, but I needed to crawl I see the finish line up ahead Trying to get traction from all of this tread I am a king, I am a queen I am more than the people can see I am strong when I'm needing to be Vulnerability's nothing to me You can try, but I'm unshakable My successes is never debatable I'm coming and I'm so interchangeable Here's to you and all that you are capable You gotta go hard, better get it 